This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the 343 Podcast. On this episode, we are going to focus on one of the policies that cripples soccer in America from the pro level all the way down to nine-year-olds. Specifically, we are going to discuss the fact that if we want to fulfill our potential as a soccer nation, MLS franchises and their academies need more and better competition, not less. I'll be the first to admit that it's easy to ignore issues because you can't see them or feel the direct impact of them. But after listening to this episode, my hope is that you are able to better understand how you are being affected by some of the systemic issues that we're facing here in American soccer. As always, please feel welcomed to follow up with any questions or thoughts that you have. We always love hearing from you. You can find us on Twitter or you can leave us a comment on this episode's page, which can be found at 343coaching.com. And that's also where you can find more episodes of this podcast, over 200 written articles and our online coaching courses. So once again, that is 343coaching.com. But let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the meat of this episode. And I want to start by addressing the idea that more competition is needed here. Because one of the things that has made our country so great is enabling ideas to compete with one another in an open market. The American dream is built upon the foundation of opportunity. Taken further, there are no monopoly entitlements granted so that one business presides over an entire market and dictates who can and cannot participate. For example, the U.S. government does not entitle Google monopoly power over the mass search engine market. No, Google's product must live and die on its own merits, and the consumer, aka the market, dictates that not the government. This policy of not granting monopoly power to any one business is awesome. It breeds competition between ideas and their execution. It spawns innovation and grants freedom and opportunity for all who wish to enter the ring. It is arguably the best mechanism we have for enabling the true cream to rise to the top. Hell, it is what gives legitimate credence to the concept of the cream rising to the top. In the global soccer arena, the standard mechanism by which this is achieved is an open competition between autonomous clubs who can be promoted or relegated through divisions based on merit. For example, Leicester City FC, a club with a storied history, but a club that no one really knew or talked about until they shocked the world in 2016. For more than a decade, Leicester had been battling in obscurity in the second division. Then, they finally got their act together and won the division, thereby earning their promotion back to the top flight. And then they made history by overcoming 5,000 to 1 odds and winning one of the most coveted prizes in global football, the Premier League trophy. This type of story, the Leicester City FC story, is prohibited in American soccer. In American soccer, Leicester City would still be in the second division, indefinitely cast there. How are teams promoted here in America? By paying franchise fees. 
MLS certainly leads by example in this category. Their expansion procedures include a lengthy application process during which the prospective franchise owners must prove to a committee that their city is suited for professional soccer. This means having a stadium, having a supporters group, and many other things must be in place before a team can even be created. If you need examples of that, you can look at LAFC and Inter-Miami because those are great examples of how you get promoted to the first division in American soccer. So why is it like this here in America? We are a country defined by our fighting spirit and our unwillingness to be second best. Yet when it comes to soccer, fans not only allow this, but fight to support anti-competitive practices that keep our football mediocre, to say the least. The growth of MLS, measured by its number of franchises, is frequently cited as a sign of strength and improvement. But we have to understand something. It's that, given our set of circumstances, competition in the U.S., isn't a good gauge of where we are at. The growth of a league by number of franchises is not a good gauge of where we are at, especially when it comes to actual soccer. When we talk about actual soccer, international competition is and always will be the barometer. And on that front, we are still well off the mark. The one and only beacon of light in American soccer when it comes to on-field performance continues to be the U.S. women's national team. But it's the reasons for domestic competition being so poor that are misunderstood. People either aren't aware or ignore the points that were just laid out. One of the fundamental reasons that U.S. soccer is behind the rest of the world is that MLS and its academies don't have the requisite week-in, week-out competition in the United States like other countries have within their own borders. What we're seeing now is the realization that MLS and their academies need better competition to improve, but the wrong solutions are being implemented. For example, MLS academies playing against youth clubs here in the United States that do not have a pro team, basically amateur clubs, does not do the MLS academies or the pro teams any good. The entire development environment from proper training to facilities to incentives make it incredibly difficult for the amateur sides to truly compete. And even though there are several youth clubs that do win against MLS sides, and there are youth clubs out there that have good coaching, and there are youth clubs that do all of the right things, at the end of the day, they're just youth clubs. So what's the status quo solution to this problem? Well, if MLS Academy teams are the strongest then superficial logic drives one to conclude they should just be playing each other and not against academy teams from other clubs. We saw this potential move being made with the Development Academy's tiered system that they introduced in early 2020. And it was further reinforced when the Development Academy was closed and MLS announced that they would be stepping in to fill the void of the elite youth academy scene. Now, this line of thinking supports the exclusive mentality shared amongst the MLS ranks from the front offices to the supporters in their stands all the way down and across the sidelines of their youth games on Saturdays and Sundays. But what's the proper solution to this problem? If we want MLS franchises to have more and better competition, we must enable others to compete with them. You want Youth development on par with the rest of the world? You want our top flight pro teams at the level with the best in the world? You want the national team to consistently be a legit World Cup contender? Well, we need a soccer pyramid 
like the rest of the world, where the best can rise and the mediocre get punished. How can this be achieved? You open the soccer economy to all clubs. For those of you who aren't aware, that means opening the pyramid, also known as promotion and relegation. Where should this be done? It must be done at the pro level. You see, this is where so many get it wrong. A bottom-up approach doesn't remove any of the barriers. It just encourages more people to run into those barriers. Dennis Crowley, the founder of Stockade FC in Kingston, New York, came to this realization just two years after launching a fourth division amateur team. Dennis has written about how the U.S. soccer pyramid, with its closed leagues and lack of promotion relegation, hinders investment in the very things that the sport needs to thrive, such as player development, youth academies, and more fields and training facilities across all parts of the country. He went further by saying, Our thesis has been, if you can build a strong foundation of clubs and leagues in the lower parts of the pyramid, you can start to make change. And once you start to change the system at the bottom, you can start to push that change up to the top. However, we've come to realize that there are also opportunities to try to change things from the top down. End quote. When you open the pyramid, There is more competition for MLS franchises. They will no longer have a monopoly on their geographic player pool. They will no longer be the only ones with an incentive to develop professionals. Opening the pyramid provides a real business case for existing lower division pro clubs to take player development serious. Currently, most lower division amateur teams don't even field youth teams, let alone take it serious. And opening the pyramid also provides historically youth-only clubs a real business case for launching their own first teams. That, in turn, obviously encourages them to take player development seriously and to invest seriously and to take competition seriously. It mobilizes investors and capital currently locked out of MLS to flow into lower divisions that would now have a strong incentive to develop and field far more serious youth sides. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how top performing ecosystems work. It's called an open economic market. Open markets create fierce competition. Competition, which as we've described, is currently weak in the United States soccer landscape from top to bottom. No amount of youth leagues or mergers between youth clubs or any other grassroots level solutions will ever be able to match what a true open market can do for our country. So if we want to give MLS and its academies fierce local and regional competition and in turn become legit competitors on the international stage, this is the solution. If we don't want any of that, that's fine. Just start understanding our country's development potential will not be realized. In future episodes, we will continue discussing and dissecting the impact this has on individual players as well as clubs and communities across the country. So make sure you are subscribed to 343FM on whatever podcast app you are using to listen to this right now. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more platforms. If you'd like to follow up with questions or thoughts, you can reach us on Twitter, or you can reach us by leaving a comment on this episode at 343coaching.com. That's also where you can find our entire library of podcast episodes, over 200 written articles, and our online courses that help expose coaches, players, and parents to the global standard of excellence. Once again, all of that can be found at 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode, and we will catch you next time here 
on the 343 podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. If you are interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program. That is where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work in the American soccer environment. You can visit 343coaching.com to learn more about our coaching programs. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast, and we will catch you next time.